Craft Beer Radio, episode 20, November 17th, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. And this week we do Scotch Ales on our 20th episode. 20th episode. Who would have thought it would have ever got this far? Well, somebody. No one stopped us yet. <laughs> That's right. On to business. And we'd like to start off with a message from our affiliate partner over at Suds Gear. At SudsGear.com, you will find merchandise such as t-shirts, hats, pint glasses from craft breweries such as Alaskan, Rogue, Yards, Hebrew, New Belgium, Full Sail, Sierra Nevada, Stone, and others. Plenty of stuff to choose from. As a Craft Beer Radio listener, you will receive 10% off by using the coupon code CBR when placing your order. All purchases that you make help support the show. SudsGear is our affiliate partner, and we get 10% from all sales from Craft Beer Radio listeners. Go check out SudsGear.com and see what they have for you. I particularly like the Alaskan Amber shirt. The Alaskan Amber shirt, huh? I, I, I like the logo. It has a fishing boat on it. And I thought a really cool shirt. There was a ladies' uh, arrogant bastard, you're not worthy tee. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's pretty good. So go check those out. Uh, we love to get uh, your feedback. It really drives us to the show. So there are several ways in which you can contact us. The first is you can send us an email or an audio comment to beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can post a comment on our site, craftbeerradio.com. You can call our beer line. That's 202-206-BEER. That's B-E-E-R. And finally, you could go to Podcast Alley, give us a vote, and leave us a comment on that website. It's always good. I would like to ask our listeners who haven't emailed us to write in, especially the ones that aren't humongous beer geeks. Send us an email and let us know that you're out there and what you think of the show. That'd be great. I also have um, a request. I was hoping that a listener could help me out. Somebody, p- People who listen to the extras may know that I lost all the pictures from Japan because of a hard drive crash and on the laptop on the way back. I was hoping that maybe someone knew of a relatively cheap hard drive repair service. If you could send us an email about that, I would really appreciate it. Thanks. And that's enough for business. Okay, let's jump on to email. We got some good emails this week. Rick sent us a link to the Washington Brewers Guild 2005 Winter Beer Festival. Normally don't do beer events since such a small amount of our audience can go to any event. Uh-huh. Unless it's a big one like the Great American Beer right, Fest or right. something. But this one, I looked at the lineup and it just made me drool. Like what kind of stuff do they have? They have 27 breweries listed so far. They have, And it's all winter beers. So you have things like Ooh. Boundary Bay, Winter Ale, Elysian Brewing, Imperial Pale Ale, Hales Brewery. We Heavy Winter Ale, mm. LeConnor Brewing Company, Tannenbaum Winter Ale. So that's just, yeah, that does sound like... A lot of Washington breweries, right. and oh, it just made me drool. So if you're out good. in the area, make sure you check that out. You can find the link at WashingtonBeer.com. Uh, Graham from Alexandria, Virginia sent us in a message. He was he, he commented on a propensity that you and I may have towards not giving the regional brewers as much of a chance as we possibly should. Regional brewers such as Sierra Nevada, Anchor, and Sam Adams, the ones that are large enough to be in a lot of places, but are still not quite macro brews. And his contention was that we have a tendency to think less of them. And he may have a point. What do you think? 
Actually, I hadn't read the email. It came in today, and I didn't check my craft beer email all afternoon. So I'm just going from Greg said. But as for having a preconceived bias against Sierra Nevada. One of his points was how surprised we were that Sierra Nevada's porter was that good. Oh, well, yeah, we were surprised. Yeah. And, he, you know, like I say, he does have a point there. I, th I think that part of the bias is that we, when we go into a bar and we see a whole bunch of, of macro beers and Sierra Nevada tap, I mean, yeah, that, that's the one we'd rather have. But we'd also love to see more craft beers available on that tap. And so we really want to get the word out as much as possible. On the other hand, most of our fans already know about craft beers. Yeah, so. part of my surprise was I've had the porter in the past, and I don't remember it being as good as it tasted mm. when we tasted it on the show. So that's part of why I was so surprised at how good it was. And I think you mentioned that we were surprised about Anchor's porter being good, and I don't know if we were that surprised about that, but uh, we may have let on that we were. And we certainly talked about Sam Adams' last show. I think we do have a, a tendency, and it's something that maybe we should correct. We have a tendency to discount the regional brewer a little bit uh, more quicker than we would something else, but they certainly are capable of producing some damn fine beers. And to tie in with this, we got a whole bunch of feedback about trying Blue Moon. Right, and one of the interesting ones was that Blue Moon started in the Sandlot Brewery at Coors Field, which uh, won uh, some awards at the Great American Beer Festival. Right. Just because it's owned by Coors doesn't necessarily mean it has the Coors, um, how shall we say this, mark of non-quality? Mark of profit margins. Mark of profit margins. That's a good one. Yeah, so we were definitely going to give that a try. We're going to line up some more uh, some Belgian whites and drink the uh, Blue Moon in. Maybe we'll arrange a blind tasting. Hmm, that'd be interesting. That'd be an interesting one to Get try. Get Heather to service up some beers. Yeah, just do a blind tasting, see which one we like best, and then see what they are. So we really don't have any preconceptions about them whatsoever. Actually, that's an idea for a once-in-a-while show, blind yeah. tasting. So, cool. I, I like it. We got an email from Phil, and he sent us an audio comment. He's from Belgium, and here's what he had to say. Hi, guys. This is Phil in Brasciat, Belgium. Um, I'm an American. I moved over here about a year ago and uh, have been enjoying the Belgian beer since. Right now, I'm enjoying a nice Rochefort 8. I was really interested in the Trappist show you did, especially since I've been trying to get my hands on some West Vleteren ever since I moved here and uh, haven't been able to so far, so I'm a little jealous. Uh, hopefully I'll get to try that soon. I uh, call their beer hotline almost every week, and they're always sold out before the weekend gets here. Maybe this weekend I'll finally make it out there and at least try it in the cafe. Uh, like I said, I love the show. Uh, keep up the good work. And if anything interesting happens over here in the beer world, I'll record a message and send it off to you. Thank you, Phil, for that message. We definitely hope you get a chance to try the West Vletrin. Well, West, did you hear how he yeah, pronounced it? West Vletrin. West Vletrin. West Vletrin. West Vletrin. We'll practice and we'll come back and say it right. That's going to be tough. We haven't had a pronunciation gate in a while, but uh, that one's a hard one to do without, like you say, a lot of practice. There's a little er syllable in the second yeah, there's something half of the word there, there that we're missing. Bob from Japan wrote in. He had a question about when we're talking about serving temperatures for beers. He wanted to know if we actually stuck a thermometer in the beer each time or if we kind of guesstimated and, yeah. and just knew how long to keep them out of the fridge. Is, it's pretty much a guesstimation. But if you're just getting the hang of it, yeah, there's nothing wrong with sticking a thermometer in the beer to see what it is. I used to do it. Yeah, it's just, like when, when you cook a steak or something and you're not sure. The first couple of times you cook a steak, you want to use a meat thermometer so you can figure out what it feels like to get that doneness that you want. After a while, you get the hang of it. Yeah, after 20 shows, we pretty much know how long they have to be out of the fridge yeah. to get to the right temperature. So we don't stick thermometers in them all the time. 
On to news. Talked about this before. The Turbo Tap. Right. Yeah, I remember this one. The, the stadiums where they could pour beer in two seconds and there's less waste because it doesn't foam as much. It uses some kind of hydro foil thing where it pours through there and it keeps the beer from getting too turbulent so it doesn't foam up as much. They have a home version now. And they're not really marketing it so you can pour your home beer in two seconds. They're marketing it so you waste less beer. If you're a novice at right. maintaining a keg, you might have a lot of extra foam, and this would help you pour the beer with less foam. Oh, I see. It costs $179. That includes the faucet, the turbo tap, the shank, and everything you need to, to attach it to your kegerator or your whatever, the wall or whatever. So how many kegs would that take to pay off your investment? In terms of lost beer. Yeah, I, I didn't do the math. They said that the TurboTap can yield up to 30% more beer from a keg. That's about 20 beers. If That's probably a pretty foamy pour a lot out. Yeah. Like you see at you know, certain bars, you see a waitress fill it up and just pour half the beer out and fill it up again. Some of that beer deserves to be wasted. I guess. But even good beers, you see them just pouring it out and that's pouring true. it out. And I'm like, there's really not too much head in that beer. <laughs> Goose Island Brews Champion Beer at Wooden Barrel Aged Festival. Ooh, God, that sounds good, doesn't it? Wooden Barrel Aged wow. Bourbon Beer Festival. Oh, my God. Why didn't I go to this one? I don't know. Where was this? Chicago. It was in Chicago. <sighs> not that far away. Here's some of the entries. I'm not going to read the whole list, but Rock Bottom from Warrenville, Illinois, had a Argus Brown. That was the classic porter and stout winner. Mm. The Strong Double Imperial Dark Beer was the Imperial Brown from uh, Goose Island, won the one best in show, I believe. For Wild Beer, Pizza Port from California, with the Cuvée de Trome. Trying to see stuff I've tried here. The only one I see that I've actually tried is the Sam Adams Utopia, which was won the silver for experimental beer. Under experimental beer for gold, there was a Angry Mike Stout Creek. Wow. So it must be a really interesting cherry. Imperial Coffee Surprise came in third for experimental beer. Oh, I love a coffee beer. Milk-aged coffee beer. Yum. That just sounds good. Let's move on to Macromock. We're moving quickly today, aren't we? Yep, our friends at Anheuser-Busch are up to it again. We certainly love them for all the Macromock they give us. Since beer sales are slumping, they're going to jump into the spirits uh, <laughs> oh, no. industry. Well, I mean, you can now advertise spirits on TV, so... Their flagship one, apparently, is called Jekyll and Hyde. It's composed of two liquors in separate bottles, and they're poured together when you drink it. That was kind of like Drano. <laughs> one's red, one's black. The black floats on top of the red. You can drink them separate. You can drink them the same. Some people think that this isn't going to work too well because the established spirits vendors spend a lot of money on advertising. Oh, and pretty much. And I mean... People don't really once they find something they like, they don't switch. I know people who are friends of who are friends of, who are real big fans of Jägermeister, which is you know that licorice tasting, right. disgusting stuff. And <laughs> they're they're not going to switch off to something else just because Budweiser is producing it. On to it's back. What beer am I? Found one this week. It uh, just came to me out of the blue. It's a tough one. It's a pretty tough one. Okay. First clue. I am a Flanders Red Ale. Well, how tough can that be? There are not that many Flanders Red Ales, right? Well, if you can find the right one. Hmm, okay. Second clue, I'm aged in wine barrels. Well, okay, I can see that could limit some, but your choices aren't still... Okay, here's the one that pins it then. 
I'm hopped with Amarillo hops. You're what? Amarillo hops. Hmm. Now that changes things, doesn't it? Sounds like an American brewery gone crazy, doesn't it? it eh. <laughs> or a, uh, I guess a Belgian brewery gone really crazy. <laughs> that should be interesting what beer am I? will see if anybody has any uh, guesses. Cor- Corey will probably get it. He gets every single one. Uh, Corey's good at that kind of stuff. <laughs> Let's move on to the featured style of the week. Actually, it's a uh, little bit of a conglomeration show. We have mm-hmm. two t- styles here, technically. We're doing Scottish Ales and Scotch Ales, because it's hard to find Bunch enough of examples Ales, of so. just one or the other. So we're doing Ales with the word Scotch in them. Ales Scot- from Sco- the Ales of Scotland. There you go. The Ales of Scotland. Aye, matey. I, that wasn't That's there. not right. Okay. Hmm. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. No. More like, look at the size of his noggin. It's huge. It's like the size uh, of Sputnik. Uh, You're not going to get one. No. Okay. So the main... I was trying to be funny, but it didn't work. Why don't you tell us all about Scottish ales? Okay. So the two styles that we're doing are the Scottish Export 80 and the Strong Scottish Ale, or often known as just the Scotch Ale. The vital statistics differences in these, the Scottish Ale is typically 39 to 5%. And the Scotch ale can be six and a half to ten percent. Hmm. Scottish ales are always a very malty. They have a smoky or peaty flavor to it. There's not much hops in them, and the reason there's not much hops is a historical reason. Hops don't grow in Scotland. Oh, the uh, British Empire taxed hops to be imported, so they didn't want to pay the taxes. So they made beer with less hops and used the bare minimum they could get away with. So just for preservation only, for the most part. Yep, so that's why Scottish Ales have developed as a very malty and not hoppy beer. Oh, there's certainly going to be a, a a change from what we did last week. Yeah, hopefully our tongues have recovered in time to, to taste these beers. I think we'll be okay. For the aroma, you're going to get a low to medium malty sweetness, sometimes accentuated with low to moderate kettle caramelization. Some examples have low hop aroma, light fruitiness, low diacetyl, and or a moderate peaty aroma. Hmm. So it's sort of, how would you describe peaty other than peaty? Peaty is, well, earthy. Um, grassy. Not, not quite grassy because hoppy is, is generally more of a grassy thing. So just sort of. Uh, like peat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you're eating dirt. A little smoky, a little mm-hmm. dirt tea-ish. That's a, that, we have such bad connotations yeah, when you yeah. say it tastes like dirt. For flavor, you're going to get some of the same things. You're going to get a malty sweetness. You're going to get um, a lot of the kettle caramelization. What, they, what that means is the when the wort is boiled, it has a lot of the sugars that are caramelized right. while it's boiling in the kettle. And I think that has to do with traditional, I think they might have been coal-fired or something like that, the kettles. Not sure. Someone please correct me if I am just pulled that out of the air. Well, I'm definitely very anxious to taste some of these. What kind of, what kind of foods would go with a peaty, dirt-like taste? Well, for cheeses, a, very, a buttery cheese, you know, the brie, the gouda, the farty, mm-hmm. those would go very well with it. For meat, a smoked meat, because the beers are kind of smoky, so a salmon or some other kind of, of smoked okay. meat would probably be pretty good with it. It's not quite as versatile as some of the other beers we've had with pairing with food and beer, you know, works with beef, chicken, and fish. <laughs> you know, not this one, really. And serve at around 45 to 50, like a lot of beers. 
and we're going to be using pint glasses this time, although you could use snifters or a tulip glass. Yeah, for the higher alcohol ones, especially if they're at the top end of the Scottish Yale range, you might want something that will collect the, the warming aroma of the volatiles in the glass, something with a big bowl. Sounds good. All right, well, I guess we should uh, get some of these beers out of the fridge, get them up to temperature, and start with McEwen's Scotch Ale. We're probably going to start with the Bellhaven. We're going to start with the Bellhaven. And we're back. This time, like we said, the Bellhaven Scottish Ales. It's a 3.9% Scottish Ale from Bellhaven Brewery in Dunbar, Scotland. Uh, their website is bellhaven.co.uk. That's B-E-L-H-A-V-E-N. They started in 1719. Well, I can definitely smell that big maltiness. And am I smelling some Kent Goldings there? Maybe a wee bit. Get it a wee bit? A wee bit, haha. <laughs> but definitely just a, a, a very strong malty aroma. When I first poured it, the first aroma I had, I smelled some cardboard, some oxidization, but it seems to have... Seems to be airing out, so I don't okay. want to pass judgment on it right away. But it seemed like the first thing I smelled was a little bit of oxidation. But it Which is possible. Up. I mean, this does come from overseas. But now the aroma is, is cleaner, and it, it doesn't smell as malty. But again, this one isn't as high in alcohol as the other ones yeah. we're having tonight. So it's like the the color is like um like a dark tea. Yeah, it's uh, brilliantly clear. And I know for a fact it's filtered because on they had a flash virtual tour on their website, and they. Made a point in the little diagram to show where the filter is. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's got a small head, less than a finger, but it's nice and creamy looking head. Okay, that's what PD is. Tastes almost like a, a, a darker, or like a, a brown sugar sweetness, but not like overpowering. But there, there's the sweetness is reminiscent of molasses brown sugar. In the center of your tongue, it's a, it's a weird kind of dark flavor so much that the flavor flares out on the sides of your tongue and it feels like it's almost emptiness but there's definitely a flavor there right in the center of my tongue that's yeah. where i got a slight bit of smoky flavor from it mm-hmm. and that's very similar to the pd and they go hand in hand in yeah. a lot of cases finishes fairly dry it does finish very dry yeah for these scottish ales you would think that or some of the higher alcohol ones you might find a touch of diacetyl in there a little bit of a butteriness this one certainly doesn't have much or no, any at all. It no. finishes real nice and dry. It's not. It's a dry beer most of the way through. There's no slickness to it. I, I like that. I really like that peatiness. I mean, I wasn't really sure how how that would taste, just from the description. But now that I have it in my mouth, it's like it's a good flavor. This is be a pretty good session beer. There's a lot of flavor to it. The alcohol is three point nine. Yeah, you could have a few of these out with the mates at the Especially pub. Especially if you're eating, you really w- won't have much effect at all. Yeah. Yeah, in the aroma now, I'm not smelling any of that initial mm-hmm. what I thought was oxidation, so that's good. I don't it doesn't know it, taste oxidized at all. Doesn't taste oxidized, so have, good thing we yeah. got a good bottle. It's a good bottle. It's also not green, like we've pointed out many times before. The green bottles are the ones that are almost guaranteed to be skunky. Well, skunky and oxidation are two different things. But the skunkiness comes from light coming into right. it, and the green light especially. Oxidation comes mo- mostly from age. I mean, if the cap leaks, you get some from there, but mostly it's just from age. My friend had uh, some Molson. He bought a case of Molson the other day, and I had some in those green bottles. And I don't know how, because it, it was, I guess, stored in the it was in the box the whole time. Mm-hmm. But it was skunky as all hell. 
So I'm trying. Uh, first of all, it's Molson, so it's not like uh, it's not like a great beer anyway. That was me. I, I was shining a flashlight in the handle on the side of the case. <laughs> but I mean, wow! I mean, you could smell it. You could taste it. It was really gross. Yeah, we had that one beer, the, the Spotten, which we right. had to dump out because it was skunky. That is by far the skunkiest thing I've had yet to drink that this, isn't this fizzy was, and yellow. This was much... Oh, okay. <laughs> That's real tasty. It's a lot drier than I would have expected for mm-hmm. this beer. And it's funny because I had it a couple weeks ago for BJCP. Really? And it's not exactly what I remember. I'm not sure why. Fond memories, I guess. I don't know. But this is... Did you drink anything else beforehand that may have influenced your taste? This is the first yes, one. Yes, I did. The show we were talking about, we were, it was a class about hops. Oh. So I order an IPA. Uh-huh. And it turns out we're tasting brown ales and Scottish ales. <laughs> Oops. So, yeah, maybe my tongue was messed. Like you say, there's really almost no hoppiness at all. I can detect a, a small hint of bitterness, mostly masked by the smokiness. The bitterness does balance the beer. It's not like yeah. it's overly malty. This one is really balanced for a Scottish yeah. beer. You would expect it to have more on the malt side of the balance scale instead of the hop side or the bitterness side. But they didn't use uh, hops for, for aroma or at least it, <laughs> no. pretty sure they didn't. No, Scottish yells, you don't waste yeah. hops on aroma. You use yeah. it for the bitterness to balance the beer and you give the finger to the English for taxing you. <laughs> it says like Sputnik, spherical, quite pointy in parts. Head, move, now. <laughs> if it's not Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, reminiscing about our favorites. Uh, One of our... It's a great movie. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, Mike Myers did a lot of that stuff. He did Scottish stuff in, obviously... So I Married an Axe Murderer. So I Married an Axe Murderer. He did Scottish stuff in Goldmember, in Austin Powers, and he did Scottish stuff in Saturday Night Live. So, Bellhaven, nice, clean taste. Mm-hmm. You really couldn't pick flavors out of it. There was that peaty smokiness. It had a dry finish. Good drinking beer. Yeah. Really, really nice and uh, easy, easy drinkable beer. Should we go on to McEwen Scotch Ale? Yes, I think that's the next one to choose. McEwen Scotch Ale. This is a much, this is a strong Scotch Ale. Eight percent alcohol by volume. From Scottish Courage Limited in Edinburgh, Scotland. Edinburgh, Scotland. Their website is www.scottish-newcastle.com. And what's funny when you go to the website, you cannot find a link about beer. It's There's investor relations links and all this stuff, but I could not find the link to the McEwen's page. So don't waste your time going to that site unless you want to invest. find it and let us know where it's at. This is a... It's pouring with um, even darker, like a, a almost... Looks like a soda. Yeah, almost dark red that, come, <laughs> that comes through. I guess there's a little more light than a soda. It's a... Uh, it's br- I'd say it's brown with... Um, Red highlights? With a little bit of red highlights to it. Uh, it's got... A nice, little, cre- big, creamy head, yeah. which is a, uh, a tan color. And I'm getting from the smell a malt. Yeah, a lot of malt. It's, but it's um, a different malt than the, Bell, than the Bellhaven, which is... Kind was, of a biscuity smell. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Not quite fresh baked bread, but sort of a fresh dough. Yeah, something along those lines. A doughy smell. Okay, big difference in the flavor here. Oh, yes. Really sweet flavor, multi-sweetness. But it finishes dry again. finishes dry with a, with a tinge of alcohol. Right. On, on the sides of your mouth, uh, you're getting this sort of alcohol taste when it finishes. Like you said, though, dry. Not a lot of bitterness. Less bitterness than, uh, the, than the Bellhaven. 
getting a little bit of caramelization in the in the flavor from probably for the kettle caramelization. The Scottish Yales can use some unmalted roasted barley to add to the the dryness and the, and give it some color and things like that. Like a stout. Like a stout, no more than like three percent, just a very little bit, and uh, some crystal malt can be used in this too. Really, a a, a a high amount of sweetness. I mean, not as high as like a barley wine, but compared to the, to the Bellhaven, a very a lot of sweetness. Which you know, I guess you have to expect when you have a high alcohol beer. Just not as smoky as the Bellhaven mm-hmm. was. Not as, not, as, not as peaty. Not as quite as complex. It leaves a lingering sweetness behind. On the sides of my tongue, mm-hmm. I'm getting like a lingering sweetness from this beer. A little bit of that diacetyl I'm tasting. A little bit of butteriness near the end. I'm not getting it. Because it, it's normally accompanied with like a slick mouthfeel. And this finish is nice and dry. And I'm not really getting the slickness to it. And I'm not tasting any kind of like buttered popcorn or anything. Hmm. This is not finishing quite as dry for me as it did before. That's, okay. I think that's why I'm tasting a little bit of that. Okay. I'm, again, impressed that this beer is not showing any signs of oxidation. Tastes yeah. nice and fresh, which is always good because it's kind of crapshoot buying imported beer, especially off the shelf at D's where you don't know how long they've been sitting right, there. Right, right. But I wonder if a maltier beer is less likely to go to get oxidized than a hoppier beer. I don't know why that would be. It might be hidden a little bit more. And there's different flavors you can get from oxidation. You get the wet cardboard. Mm-hmm. But you could also get sherry almond type flavors too and if it goes that way then those could actually be an enhancement to the beer I'm not really tasting those in here too this beer does taste nice and fresh it doesn't finish quite as dry for me as it maybe does for you but it does finish pretty clean okay see I wouldn't really call it clean because I have a lingering sweetness in it on both sides of my tongue well yeah I mean I'm getting a lingering sweetness but that's all that's there there's no other like there's no off taste there's no bitterness oh yeah like very clean beer in that aspect where there's no obvious flaws yeah like there's no nasty aftertaste hanging around which is good obviously because nasty yeah. aftertastes would be nasty yeah <laughs> one thing that i am kind of surprised i when i used to drink scottish ales when i before when i was getting into craft beer i used to always thought they had like an apple juice type flavor to them the bellhaven this one don't taste it anymore Maybe that was my confused palate saying, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's apple juice. You know, there's sort of... Apple cider can have a little bit of that same sort of sweetness, and maybe you're you're recalling some of that. If I think apple cider, I can almost equate them. Not quite, but okay. I can almost equate that sort of sweetness. Now that you say apple cider, mouthfeel of this is very similar to apple yeah. cider. Grasping for something. <laughs> what can I compare this to? Well, your BJCP educated palate now knows no bounds. Half educated palate. It's on working. its way. Still working on it. Last night we were tasting um, English pale, English IPAs, American IPAs, double IPAs, barley wine. So it was a big difference from the very first yeah. class where we were drinking Amstel Light and um, Pilsner Quell. You must have gotten smashed. <laughs> we only had little sample glasses. Oh, okay. We had a barley wine, a double IPA. <laughs> The um the head on this beer is very robust. It's still hanging around. I got about a sip left in my glass. There's still a quarter inch on top, completely covering the beer. It's a nice, nice robust head on this beer. I'm all done because you enjoyed it so much. Yes. Hey, there's um new beer podcast. Oh really? Uh, yeah. 
Oh, is this um, I think I saw this one. This is a they sent us a message. Oh. Yeah, one of our listeners, Rick, has started a. Well, he had a website, Pacific Brewing News. News. Pacific Brew News. Pacific Brewing News. Forgive us. The link will be on our website. He yeah. forgot to plug us in his first podcast, so we can screw up his domain name. Oh, ha ha ha! <laughs> but um, I listened to about half of it. I was in between cars and and iPods, so I haven't been able to listen to the whole thing yet. But it uh, it's pretty good. They uh, have a very similar setup to our initial setup. They have the Nady microphones uh-huh. and everything, and using Audacity. So I was giving him some tips. So check that out. There'll be a link on our website, and it'll probably be a good complement to the cadre of beer podcast you have in your aggregator so next we have uh this is fun this is our first time on the main show doing oh we're doing this one a beer in a can this is old chub a scottish scotch ale it says it's a scottish ale Uh but it's eight percent alcohol so Mm. it's in the gravity range of a scotch ale right I haven't been able to figure out exactly if it's a extra strong Scottish ale or if it's actually a Scotch ale. Well, it's time for us to have a taste. This is from Oscar Blues. They're the ones who can Dale's Pale Ale as well, which we found to be a very good Very pale tasty ale. beer. Yeah. Made me want to go buy some cans and there's that sound that you don't hear on the show very often. Uh, this is a winter seasonal. Uh, the website is oscarblues.com. They started in 1999. Uh, this is brewed with copious amounts, they say, of crystal and chocolate malts and a dash of beechwood smoked malt. Ooh, catch that aroma. Yeah, a lot of that uh, chocolate malt. Yeah, that's a delicious aroma. Ooh, hoo, hoo. It, uh, it's an even darker, if you can imagine, a darker brown with... And I said the last one looks like cola. I would say this one yeah, is Yeah, th- this one really close. does look like... Uh, only, uh... Well, there's only like one little highlight in there, just like saying, "Hey, look at me." <laughs> <laughs> it's not saying quite that to me, but it's saying something. And a couple heads worth, a couple fingers worth of head. Yeah, you certainly get smell the chocolate aroma in the nose. Yeah, it does take a second to come around. First smell was not so much, but now that it has a few seconds to air out, I'm really getting a lot of chocolate in the nose. Very smoky. Yes, this is a very smoky beer. Holy smokes. Get it? Holy smokes. Uh, it's, um, it's a little slick, it feels almost. Yeah, it has a creamier mouthfeel to it. All the smoke in there. Lots of smoke flavor. Lots yeah. of smoke aftertaste. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. hangs around. A bitterness. A, a stronger bitterness than the other two. Mm-hmm. That kind of rides on top of that smokiness. It almost feels like... I don't want to say oily because that gives it the wrong impression but it feels like there's it doesn't quite hit your tongue until after you swallow it it kind okay. of it kind of rolls over my tongue at first as if there's sort of like a barrier protecting it from some of the flavor the, the smoky aftertaste it, it's tasting it's turning into an astringent taste to me too and i really i'm not liking that part that much right now hmm. the aftertaste of it it's, it's smoky it's a little astringent and Again, Not a big fan of that part of this beer. It, it hits to a bit of, of an astringency. It's true. It, it kind of it gets this really wonderful smokiness, but then it kind of gets bitter, and then it starts to get astringent. Then that sort of fades, and left with sort of a lingering bitterness. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going bonkers over this one. It, it's, it's so smoky. It reminds me of when you first take a sip, and it's right in the front of your mouth. It reminds me a little bit of the smoke porter, mm-hmm. the smoky that the Alaskan smoke porter that we've had before. 
it uh doesn't taste like it, but it's reminiscent of it. All yeah. that smoky it right in the front of your mouth there. It's not knocking my socks off. It the smoky is a little too confrontational in this beer, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I find it really weird that, that how that taste when you just kind of rolls over your tongue without interacting much with your taste buds when you first put it in your mouth. It's a really, it's a really odd sensation. Like I say, it's it's as if there's some sort of barrier protecting your tongue when it first goes there's, over. There's not much malty sweetness in this beer at all. It's, no, it's very it's smoky, and then there's that later astringency at the end, that, that later bitterness. Maybe that's why it's under Scottish. You remember the Bellhaven? It was a balance. And then the McEwen's was really sweet. This one is not really sweet. This one is really smoky. Mm-hmm. A lot of these, we haven't really talked about the carbonation. The carbonation is kind of subdued in all of these. Which is, I think, is good for the style. Yeah, low carbonation. You don't want it too prickly. If you uh, listen to the pre-show. Was it a pre-show? Yeah, pre-show yes, where we pre-show. did the Dale's Pale Ale out of the can. We really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was, was a good beer. But I'm not a huge fan of this old chub. Not to say that it's affected by the fact it comes from a can. Not at all. No. The can, like we have said before and we've mentioned many times, is a perfectly good way of... It's actually even better than bottles in terms of keeping beer fresh and not skunked. Yes, there's less exposure to oxygen during the canning than there is during bottling, apparently. That's what I've read. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really... I can't, I can't picture hell myself, but I haven't but seen it. But the cat can't release, can't release oxygen like you can in a bottle because there is no right. cat. It's right. sealed. And again, it's opaque, so there's no worry of light stri- striking this beer. Yeah, just the smokiness just hit. It's a little harsh. It hits you the wrong way at the end. It's yeah, it's not. Uh, it, it's not our favorite of the night, that's for sure. They are located in Lyons, Colorado, and like we said, they started in 1999. When did they start canning? Only a couple of years ago. I think, yeah, right? just a couple of years ago. And they're only available in, in the Pittsburgh market for a couple months now. Maybe four months now. I would say give this beer a try. Just one. I wouldn't buy yeah, a don't. sixer of it or a 12-pack yeah. of it. Unless you like it. And then go, go hog yeah, wild. Yeah, go nuts. Our last beer of the night is the Skull Splitter Strong Scotch Ale from Orkney Brewery in Orkney, Scotland. This is our only, or not our only, this is, I guess the Oscar Blues was our only American beer of the night. This is another import. Yep, everything else was from Scotland, which will make people happy because we did the Saison show with all yeah, American beers. Yeah, uh, This won several awards. The Beer of the Festival, the 2001 Manchester National Winter Ales Festival. Gold medal for barley wine, which is interesting. In the 2001 Camera Champion Beer of Scotland. Uh, second place champion and second place strong bitter. Okay, at the 1999 Cambridge Beer Festival. Maybe they had more inclusive categories. You know how the Great American Beer yeah. Festival has like 103 categories or 70 <laughs> or whatever. Maybe they're like, okay, here's your barley wine, and everything over eight percent goes in there. Or, you know, that's weird because I mean, I certainly wouldn't expect a barley wine to be bitter, and I certainly wouldn't expect a strong bitter to have the kind of sweetness of a barley wine. <laughs> so I don't understand how this beer can win both of those. But because it's that good. That's why we can taste Let's it and see. see. And this is uh, a much lighter color. It's uh, it's a tan, like the, a dark tea, sort of like the Bellhaven. Um, a little bit darker, I guess, with three or four fingers. Yeah, poured with, with a big head. Yeah. I'm smelling that sort of 
fresh baked biscuity sweetness. Yeah, it's a sweet malty aroma on it, that's for sure. It smells good. It's on its way to be very good. Hmm. That is different. That's complex, that's for very sure. Very complex. I'm trying to figure out what it is. It, it has almost um You know, it's it's almost like a a brandy esque taste. Yeah, it does. It has a little bit of that. I wonder if it's it might be a little bit oxidized in the good way. Might be in some of that sherry. Or amaretto or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Hmm. It's really different because, you know, it, it's sweet with some lingering notes of, like we said, the sort of sherry-esque or, or, or amaretto. Not a heck of a lot of carbonation. It's not as full as I would have expected this beer to be. Mm-hmm. I would expect it to be similar to the Mikuans. But then you get almost a smokiness at the end of it. You do get a fair amount of peatiness the whole yeah. way through the flavor. It's a... Uh, even more peaty than the the Bellhaven was, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and at, at, at an end of uh, end of drink sweetness, I guess. That's different. Yeah, it's uh, it's the most complex flavor of the night. That's for sure. Well, I don't know the the old chub was, I guess, sort of complex, but not <laughs> not the, the way we not liked the it. Best yeah. Way, yeah. Wow, that that's a. Uh, it almost tastes like it's aged. In like a, in, in an oak barrel or something, because it has sort of that some of that complexity you yeah, expect to get. When you say that, I start to think that maybe it's a little bit of the oxidation that has gone in a not so bad way with the the, the sherry notes. I'm trying to figure out what else I have, what else I'm tasting in there. It's not as malty as I would have expected. There's that peaty the whole way through, which is a nice, interesting flavor. It's peaty, but it's not really that smoky. Right. It finishes dry. It's just really different. It's it's not uh, uh, something I expected to taste tonight, but I'm certainly thankful that I didn't get to taste it because it's you know I love trying something different like this. Yeah, I mean my pre my preconception was that it was going to be really big, really sweet, really malty, almost barley wine ish. And it's it's not that at all. So it's very different from what I had assumed, for no good reason. This has my favorite label. What of them skull all. splitter was going to be <laughs> has some kind of Scottish warrior guy, almost like a Viking like helmet, because it has like these wings, sort of ride of the Valkyrie wings on his helmet. <laughs> it's a great label, and he's looking off in the distance, sort of. Yeah, it's a pretty good label. It goes with the name Skull Splitter. Yeah. He sees a battle ahead. Makes you think of hangovers too, doesn't Freedom! it? Freedom! Name makes you think of hangovers too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's true. I'm wondering, I mean, I could maybe see how this could fall into a barley wine. I don't know about a strong bitter. There's not a lot of bitterness here, and I realize that like an ESB is not necessarily a bitter beer. The um Right. I could see this being judged in a barley wine category. Bitter category is a lot more of a stretch. Yeah. Um, the smokiness really throws it. Or not the smoky, but the peatiness. Yeah. Really throws it. And what bitterness there is there is is covered up pretty heavily by the malt. 
So, well, hey, someone judged them that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, hey, good for them. They Maybe that's why they won second place and not first place. Well, I guess it's that time of the show when we give our rankings. I want to go first this time. Okay, you got it. Okay, my favorite beer of the night was the McEwen Scotch Ale. Second favorite was the Bellhaven. Third was Skull Splitter. Fourth was Old Chubb. Uh, reasoning? The, uh, the McEwen's had a more multi-profile to it and had some good flavor. I really liked it. Bellhaven was nice and balanced. The complex, complex flavor that we're tasting in this Skull Splitter, it's, it's good, but I just think I liked the, the more straightforward Bellhaven better tonight. Uh-huh. And then the Skull Splitter came in third. Now, it's enjoyable, too. It's not, you know, like the first two we like, the second yeah. two we dislike. But but the old chub, like it, I said, it you should try it. It our fancy. You should try it once. Will I agree with Jeff? Completely? No. Oh. I'm going to switch, too. Uh, I agree the old chub is, is last on the list. Just uh, really, we just didn't like it that, that much. That smoky just rubbed yeah. me the wrong way. Skull Splitter is uh, second... I mean, not second to last, because it's good, but it's just not quite there. So I agree with your placement there. However, I would put the Bellhaven on top. I really like the easy drinking the, session, you sure. know, the easy drinkability, the sessionness of it, that, you know, you could drink a couple of these. It really was so smooth and so good. Just something that I really enjoyed. Then the Scotch Ale, like you say, was a really good example. Um, heavy maltiness. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of those good flavors to it. But I would put the Bellhaven. Yeah, I wouldn't parts. argue with you too much about switching those two. They're both right up there. I think I would put the McEwen's ahead, though. You want to fight about it? No. All right. <laughs> All right, so that's it for Craft Beer Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. Go uh, to sudsgear.com and buy some shirts for us. Right, next week we'll be back uh, with both a pre-show and a post-show, which we didn't have this time. Yeah, Greg has to run, so no post-show. Sorry, guys. Sorry. And I didn't watch Lost, so... so just, yeah, so you wouldn't even be able to talk about it. I'll be watching it in about 30 minutes. <laughs> Thanks a lot. See you next week, guys. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Hey!